Ron Johnson forces the Senate to read all 628 pages of Biden's COVID bill aloud. So Ron Johnson forced the Senate to begin reading all 628 pages of President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID bill aloud on the Senate floor Thursday, further delaying a vote on the legislation Democrats hope to make law by next week. So Johnson said his tactic was about educating the American public on what was in the $1.9 trillion package, which he was derided as full of provisions unrelated to COVID relief. The entire process could take at least 10 hours. He told reporters Thursday he felt badly for the Senate clerks who are going to have to read it, but it was important to delay the process and read the bill aloud because so often we rush these massive bills, which few lawmakers have time to read, which honestly, I completely agree. You've got to understand, like literally, the past two bills included so much garbage in it that you're like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with the money? Right? Because this is the way that I view the stimulus bill, right? If you are going to print more money, right? If you are actually going to, you know, try to give money to the people. So let's just say, let's just say that, you know, they still like $2,000 from your future, right? I would be okay if they stole $2,000 from your future to give you $2,000 right now, okay? That actually makes sense because it's still your money. But if they steal $2,000 from your future and then only give you like $1,400 or $600, right? Like it did previously with the $600 stuff. It's like, no, I'm not okay with that. Nobody should be okay with that. Right? Like, why are they adding so much nonsense when, like, hey, if you want people, every single person in this country, to get a check, then give them a check and nothing else, right? Like, don't fund any other nonsense. Just give people checks from their future, basically. Like, if you're going to give people money, if you're going to steal from people, you might as well give them the full amount that you're stealing from them, right? That's the way that I view it. So Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Johnson's move would accomplish little more than a few sore throats for the Senate clerks who work very hard day in, day out to help the Senate function. Although, I mean, the Senate doesn't really function too well, to be frank. And Senator Lindsey Graham told reporters, I'm not sitting here for reading the bill. His Republican colleague had every right to request the reading, but I don't think it is particularly moves the ball forward, Graham said, citing the later, oh, later amendment process as a more productive use of time to showcase Republican disagreements with the legislation. But the thing is, what you can really see from this specific situation, which I I'll keep reading, but you'll you understand more, right? So as the clerk began reading the bill after noon, Johnson was the only senator in the chamber. He sat watching the clerk, his blue face mask, resting on his desk. And this is something that you could really understand from the situation, right? It goes to show you that all these people that try to like claim that they are there for the people, that they're trying to do all this stuff, for the people, 
it's a lie, right? Like you can literally just see it. It's a lie. And the reason why I say that is like no one else is going to actually take the time to educate themselves along with the American people as to what is actually in this bill, right? Like, to me, I'm so disturbed by the fact that there was only one person in the process, right? Like, I don't get, honestly, I don't even get the point of a Senate anymore. I I just don't understand the point of it because when you have people who aren't even willing to spend the time like you can't even spend 10 hours going through a bill that can cost the american people trillions of dollars like you're not going to be willing to spend the time to actually educate yourself on it like that's just crazy to me so senators normally waive the reading of amendments or legislation on the senate floor but johnson invoked a procedural move to compel the reading of the entire bill other Republican senators signaled their support for Johnson's move, asked about Johnson's plans, and Mitt Romney told reporters, I do support them, and Senator James Lankford said he was absolutely supportive of the move because few senators had read the whole text. And by few senators, I'm basically going to assume that pretty much not a single one of them read everything inside that text. So Democrats groused about the reading of the bill. After the clerk started reading the bill, Senator Bernie Sanders got up from his seat and said to a colleague, good thing we have time during a national emergency to do this. And this bugs me as well because this isn't like a light matter, right? Putting this amount of money, like printing this amount of money again and again and again, like this isn't a small matter. And you need to be very careful with putting this amount of money, right? Because this is basically under the assumption that the United States will be able to secure their place as the dominant power and the dominant currency in the world. And nowadays, it's going to be pretty hard to see if that's going to stay the same course over the next few years, right? it could be very well possible that China ends up becoming the major financial power of the world, right? That's actually a very real possibility. Next, you could also think about cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency could end up causing massive havoc across all the different countries' financial infrastructures. And if we are in a certain situation where we are basically financially weak or weakened, we could be very hurt from this. So it's going to be very interesting. And sadly, the only way that I see us being able to secure our currency, the U.S. dollar, and I don't want to say this because it's really depressing, but no one really ever wants to admit it, but we're probably going to have to enter some sort of conflict. And that disturbs me a lot because I don't want there to be massive conflicts. I don't want there to be conflicts over gas or oil and all that kind of stuff, right? When we could just literally do that stuff all in our own country. But I got a feeling 
we are going to get involved overseas, which you could kind of already see with the whole bombing of Syria from Biden. If that continues, if there's more things like that, I could see that technically that would basically improve the health of our currency, but it's very depressing. And I would hope that doesn't get to that point. So the Senate voted earlier Thursday to begin debate on the bill, and Vice President Kamala Harris had to break a 50-50 tie on the motion to begin debate. Once the reading of the legislation is complete, the Senate will start 20 hours of debate on the bill, aiming to pass it by the end of the week. Democrats want to move the bill through Congress by mid-March when a federal boost to unemployment benefits expires, and the House will have to pass it again next week because of the changes made by the Senate. Feel free to become a member, support this in the description, and check out 40 I'm $9,000 in medical bill debt. What do I do? So I found this question on Reddit r slash personal finance. Now, I reworded the question a little bit, but I'm going to get into the actual word-for-word topic and go over it and basically give the best answer that I could give for this specific situation. And if you have personal finance questions, feel free to message us at 40inbox.com, contact us, all that kind of stuff. So the medical bills of $9,000 plus sent to collections. I was 18, parents were addicts, and I just need the advice I didn't know how to ask for. I was born with a heart disorder, and at 18, I had my first real-life threatening scare. My heartbeat dropped so low when I was at a theme park that I couldn't stand up. Which, you know, this is super scary stuff, right? Like, that is super scary. I couldn't understand what was happening, and I was scared. I would be too. Someone called an ambulance, and I found myself at a hospital where they managed to get me back to safe levels. They couldn't diagnose what exactly was wrong, but referred me to a cardiologist. Long story short, this episode happened when I was 18, and I am now 21. So basically, three years. I have finally been accepted into Medicaid, and am going to see a cardiologist. I am doing my best, but I was young, lost, and had no guidance. At 18, I couldn't even fathom what $10,000 looked like. When I was told that was what I owed to the hospital, I am now at the point where my bills have been sent to collections, and I am doing my absolute best to understand how I can fix this. I have had a full-time job, but only make $10 an hour. This is in Idaho and bought my first small truck on credit to make it to work. I spoke with a financial lawyer, and he told me that I have to file bankruptcy to settle the debt unless I can pay $6,000 now, but that I will lose my truck. He said that I may as well go to my cardiologist and get my surgery and add it to the debt and then file. I just feel like this is a terrible idea, and I feel like someone may have some stronger advice for me. So the answer that I would give in this situation is that this is a pretty horrible situation, right? But pretty much the best thing to do is to directly call the hospital that the bill originally came from, which, you know, you'd obviously have the information from that or for that. 
Now, every hospital has clauses in place that allow people to negotiate their bills down, and there are a few financial options that you can set up with them as well. And a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of times your bill is not really truly how much you have to pay. And what I mean by this is that in a lot of cases, in a lot of hospitals, if they discover that for some reason you don't have insurance, the bill might actually be less than what it actually states because typically when you have insurance, the hospital basically has to fight to get the insurance company to pay any amount of money. Thus, they typically, you know, have like a super absurd billing cost, right, to you, which they technically put onto the insurance company because they have to basically charge like 10x the amount that it probably would normally cost them. Like, you know, how much it would actually just cost them to do it. So if you were to just call them and say like, hey, I was 18, I did not have insurance, you know, basically tell your whole story, right? Like, I was scared, like, I don't know what to do, like, I didn't have any money, I didn't work, I'm working now, but I don't have the money to be able to pay this at all. Can we figure something out? Like, I want to pay for it because you guys helped me out, but I don't know what to do, I can't afford it, I don't have the money, right? And if you basically tell them your story and just be honest with them, and better yet, if you can, go to that hospital in person and physically talk to someone. Now, obviously, this is going to be kind of like a odd situation nowadays. But it would be the best thing to do to really go there and talk to them and really get into like on like a person-to-person level, right? Because And also, the higher-ups that you talk to at the hospital, the better it is it's going to be for you, right? So also the best case scenario, which is in fact possible, is that when you plead your case to the hospital, that they might just completely forgive it. Now that is the best case scenario. Now there is also another scenario where some hospitals have like this donation pool where they could actually just pay off people's bills. Like basically it's like they it's almost like a charity thing. And people tend to donate like a certain amount kind of stuff to this kind of little fund. And it basically just is used to basically disperse kind of like charity, just to disperse like the goodness, right? And if there's like a specific case that the hospital believes that they could help out someone with, they might be able to do that with this. Now, this isn't always the case, but it's not for like necessarily every hospital, but I do know hospitals that do end up doing this. And you could become a member, support this, all that kind of stuff. Check out 14boxes.com to master your money down below and all that. Now, again, the thing that you got to understand, too, about this situation with medical bills, as long as you are honest and vulnerable to the hospital, they will figure something out. Like, they will work with you. Because the whole point of hospitals, right, the main reason why doctors, nurses, people who actually buy hospitals as well. Yes, it is obviously to make money and good money. But at the core of it all, they want to help people. And so these this is like one of the few industries where you could 
pretty much just have an honest conversation with people and potentially have something nice happen to you, right? As long as you're honest about it, as long as you take the initiative to try to like tell them like, hey, I want to pay this, but I can't. Like I physically cannot do it. Can we figure something out? Can we figure out like a financial plan? Like you want it to be known that you are willing to do whatever it takes to pay for it, but you don't want to file bankruptcy. You want to actually give them something because they did help you out, but you can't do it at your current situation. And I mean, they could also just set up like a very, very low payment plan that's like for almost a countless amount of years until you're basically in a position to be able to just pay it off at any time. And it could be like a completely interest-free kind of thing where you're just paying down the balance for, who knows, like a hundred months, right? Like they might set up something like something crazy like that, but that's still better than you filing for bankruptcy because bankruptcy is like a last resort for anything, right? And you're in a situation where you have a pretty good possibility of talking to the hospital, talking to someone at the hospital to try to ease the situation. And not only that, for the debt collection situation, if you go through the debt collection situation where you pay them off, you could pretty much probably negotiate it down to like $1,000 or $2,000. Like you could pretty much negotiate it to almost nothing right and if you have like a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars you might be able to just call the debt collection place and be like hey look i only got a grand to pay you guys and if you don't get this money i'm gonna pay or i'm gonna basically file bankruptcy and you're not gonna get nothing right so it's either take this one thousand dollars or I go through bankruptcy and you're not going to see anything, right? And you could pretty much just get it in writing, have them email it to you, have them mail it to you, and never give them any sort of like access to any of your accounts if you were to go the debt collection route. And you could pretty much solve it that way as well. But you are at least working a job. You at least have a car to get to work, right? So you do have an option to be able to potentially just pay this off through the debt collection route or potentially talking to the original bill giver, which is the hospital, and hopefully just solve it that way, which I think would be the better choice. But if you have to, you're probably going to have to just save a couple grand maybe two grand at most or just a thousand keep calling them keep annoying them and be like hey take this money or i'm not going to give you any money basically and like be really mean to them too because debt collection jay-z sells majority stake in title music streaming service to jack dorsey's square so Square, the mobile payments firm run by Jack Dorsey, Twitter's co-founder, has acquired a majority stake in Jay-Z's title audio and video music streaming service in a $297 million deal. Under the terms of the deal, title superstar co-owners, who include Beyonce, Madonna, Rihanna, will retain their stakes and become the second largest shareholders. 
Jay-Z will join Square's board of directors. It is the second deal in as many weeks for the rapper after he sold half of his Armand D. Brignac Champagne Company, better known as Ace of Spades, to LVMH, the luxury goods company. While the terms of the deal were not disclosed, the brand has been valued at $630 million by Forbes. Why would a music streaming company and a financial services company join forces? Dorsey posted on Twitter, posing the obvious question as he announced the news. It comes down to a simple idea, finding new ways for artists to support their work. New ideas are found at intersections, and we believe there is a compelling one between music and the economy. Square said it has taken a significant majority ownership stake in Tidal, which Jay-Z bought in partnership with other artists for $56 million in 2015. The service, which counts artists such as Coldplay and Daft Punk as owners, differentiated itself by offering high-quality audio and video and paying better royalty rates to artists than rivals such as Spotify. While Tidal has carved out its niche, offering more than 70 million songs and 250,000 high-quality videos, the global market is dominated by Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. But pretty much, if it comes down to music, Spotify is probably destroying everyone. Last month, Spotify announced its own high-resolution streaming option, which will compete against Tidal. In 2017, Jay-Z removed most of his music from Spotify, but restored it in 2019 for his 50th birthday. Square, founded in 2009, offers financial tools for small businesses, which will help artists to explore options such as receiving digital payments direct from fans. There are tools they need to be successful and that we are going to build for them, said Jesse Dorogasker, a Square executive who will run title on an interim basis. Feel free to become a member or support this news commentary in the description check out 14box.com to master your money and there's personal finance lessons personal finance courses contact us with your personal finance question or story